There may be no greater worry for a child than the fear of being bullied. Bullying occurs for many reasons and in many different environments. The consequences can be severe and their impact can extend well into adulthood. Some studies indicate that as many as one in four children will be bullied at some point during their childhood. These staggering statistics also cause fear for parents. Who is bullying? Why does it occur? What is the impact? What can we do to curb this behavior and protect our kids? Hello, I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan. On this edition of Pediatric Chat, we'll talk about bullying and look for answers to these and other important questions. If you have a question about bullying, we encourage you to send it to us through the question portal on the webpage so that we can review it and post a follow-up response. Joining me today is my co-host, Dr. Paul Rosen. Hi, Paul. Hello, Jay. And we're very glad to welcome our special guest to the program, Dr. Roger Harrison, who's a psychologist, a child psychologist here at Nemours Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children. Welcome, Roger. Good to be here. So, Roger, what is bullying? Bullying can be defined as unwanted, aggressive behavior among children that involves a power imbalance. Bullying is behavior that is repeated or has the potential to be repeated over time and includes lots of different behaviors, such as name-calling, making threats, spreading rumors, physical aggression, or excluding someone from a group or from activities. And so in your practice, how common is bullying in patients that come to see you? In the population of kids who we see, it is very common to see children who have been bullied as well as children who are bullying. Roger, could you tell us about uh, some of the risk factors that you see uh, that put kids at risk for being bullied? Sure. So there isn't really a single risk factor for being bullied or even for being a bully. And we know that children in urban settings, children in suburban settings, children in small towns, children in rural areas are all at risk for being bullied and for being bullied. There are some factors, however, being overweight, being underweight, being different, being new to a school, being perceived as weak, having low self-esteem, not appearing confident, not having a lot of friends. We know that if you seem different or you are annoying or irritating to your peers, it also puts you at increased risk for being bullied. And finally, we know that kids who identify as LGBT are at greatly increased risk for being bullied. And is there an age range where this is most prevalent? We see bullying occur really across the age spectrum from elementary school through high school. And is it in school mostly, or do you see bullying on the playground or in sports or everywhere? Bullying can happen in any setting. Bullying can happen in the classroom. Bullying is much more likely to occur when there is not an adult present. And so on the playground, in the cafeteria, in the gym, in the neighborhood, when they aren't adults, you're, you're much more likely to see bullying occur when an adult isn't watching. So a child comes in for symptoms. Are they coming in often saying they're being bullied, or do you see them for other reasons, and you notice that they've been bullied? Many of the children who come in to see us don't come in specifically because they, they have been bullied. Kids come in for different reasons. For example, school avoidance is a common reason we'll see a child and then as we ask questions, we'll learn that, oh, the reason this child is avoiding school is that they're trying to avoid the experience of being bullied. And so the child comes to you, or the, uh, obviously the parent comes to you, and you detect this in your history. What's your next steps? 
The next steps often depend on the other factors that impact the child's functioning. If bullying is the core concern, then we're going to begin to address bullying by one, helping the parent understand their, their rights. Schools in most states are required to have a particular kind of response once bullying has been established. We're also thinking about helping the, helping up some of the skills that they need to appropriately respond to a bully. For example, increasing their assertiveness skills, helping them know that it is okay to report, to tell an adult. Research tells us that probably only one out of three bullying incidents will get reported to an adult. Most kids don't feel comfortable or confident enough to report to an adult that they are being bullied. So we talked a little bit about the risks. What are the signs of being bullied that you see? Besides, you mentioned school avoidance. Are there other major signs? Yes. So as a parent, the kinds of signs that I'd be interested in looking for that a child might be bullied would be unexplained or unexplainable injuries. A child who comes home missing their personal items. So they might be missing their backpack or a child who comes home hungry when you've packed lunch to send to school and they won't explain what happened, but they'll tell you that they're hungry. Um, a child who suddenly develops physical symptoms that are unexplainable. So children who are developing headaches or stomach aches. Um, I've already mentioned school avoidance, sleep problems. There are lots of behaviors when you are seeing sudden changes in the way that your child functions, either from a health perspective or an emotional functioning perspective. If you see a child with increasing anxiety, increasing emotionality, sometimes children who are being bullied are actually going to act out more behaviorally. And, and these changes in a child's behavioral, emotional functioning might suggest to a parent that they're being bullied. So a parent has listened to Nemours chat and says, hmm, that's a really good point. Uh, we've been missing some, you know, tasty cakes. <laughs> and um, what is your advice to the parents? So they have identified bullying. Who do they turn to first? My advice to a parent whose child is being bullied. They suspect being bullied. Yeah. My first advice is going to be maintain clear, open lines of communication with your child and ask specific questions. Go beyond how was your day fine. Ask your child, tell me about some of the things that happened in your day. Tell me about the kids that you spent time with. What did you do today? How was lunch? How was recess? How was the playground? So go beyond the how was your day kinds of questions to ask specific questions of your child. Ask, how do you like the kids at school? Do the kids like you? Is there a bully in your class? There are lots of questions that a parent can be asking their child to get a sense of whether that child might be bullied. And what we know is, is that the impacts of bullying are not only for the child who is being bullied, there are also impacts on children who witness bullying. And so even if a child isn't being directly bullied, parents asking these kinds of questions can help their children who are witnessing bullying know how to stand up to bullying, how to respond if they're being personally bullied, or even how to support or advocate a child who they see being bullied. Is there um, other characteristics or typical features you see with the child who's the bully themselves? Yes. Children who are bullied, there are lots of risk factors. For example, children who tend to be aggressive are more likely to bully others. Children who are having family problems are more likely to bully others. Children who might not be doing well socially, who might not be doing well academically, 
these are all risk factors for engaging in bullying behavior. In fact, children who are socially popular are more likely to bully as our children who are socially ostracized or socially marginalized are likely to bully. It's important to point out that there is a complicated relationship between bullying and being bullied, and many children who bully have also been bullied, and it is not a clear picture of kids who are only bullies or kids who have only been bullied. We do know, though, from research that children who both are bullies and have been bullied um, tend to have the poorest outcomes. Children who bully clearly are at risk on lots of social variables because they tend to be more aggressive, so they're more likely to be excluded, to be suspended, to receive discipline, to have legal consequences. They are more likely to go on to have other kinds of problems that involve violating people's integrity in their space. So the consequences are great, not only for the child who's being bullied, but also for the child who is bullying. Does it depend on the school they're in, it's kind of the codes of behavior of the particular school. I guess there are different levels of tolerance for this type of behavior at different schools. Fortunately, I think that most schools are realizing that there's a difference between typical childhood back and forth banter and bullying. And there is also the next level, which we call you know harassment, which is a legal issue, which is a crime in, in most schools. And so I think schools are getting better at realizing that bullying has real consequences that are long-lasting and that they they must address it. And there is good research that, that shows that the more proactive schools are in addressing bullying before it occurs, in implementing effective bullying prevention programs, um, the less likely you're going to see bullying as a widespread phenomenon in the school. We've been hearing a lot about texting and social media and kids are, maybe they're not in the playground, but they're they're communicating with each other at night through text messaging, and I, I guess there's digital bullying where that's really the main the main source of the bullying as well. So lately, there there certainly has been a lot of emphasis on what is called cyberbullying, which is bullying um, via a social network. Um, so this could be texting, emailing, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and cyberbullying has the potential of having multiple bullies because with it anonymity of the internet and the anonymity of social networks, it's easier to have a pile-on effect. We don't have good numbers on the kind of rates of cyberbullying, but it certainly has been like a hot topic recently. And of course, in the news, uh, there seems to be the popular risk of cyberbullying with suicide. What is your take on those risks? It certainly stays in the news for days and weeks whenever there's the unfortunate incident of a child posting, for example, a YouTube video that says, because of my bullying, I'm going to kill myself. And there have been some well-known cases. It is important to know that the correlation between bullying and suicide is fairly low. And when we examine the histories of children who have committed suicide, where there's a history of bullying, we see that there are actually many more risk factors for suicide apart from bullying that exists in that child's life. And so most kids who commit suicide have long histories of depression or severe psychiatric disturbance or substance abuse problem or abuse, severe family dysfunction. 
And those factors actually predict suicide more strongly than bullying predicts suicide. And so there's often a, a confound, but, uh, and although it makes good press, the relationship between bullying and suicide is actually fairly low. We talked about the parent using direct conversation with the child and good questions that you gave us good tips on, Roger, to identify the bullying. So when the child comes clean and says, yes, I've been bullied, what can a parent say to their child? What's the advice? I can tell you what a parent should not say to a child first, and that would be just ignore. There are lots of behaviors that can be ignored that will go away. Bullies do not stop bullying because you ignore them. Bullying tends to be self-reinforcing. And so I want a parent to give a child tools and strategies that that child can use to stop bullying, whether it's to develop their assertiveness skills. So a child is able to say to a bully, stop, or I want you to stop that now, or some other kind of clear, assertive statement that a child can use. Or sometimes a parent can teach a child to use humor to deflect um, mild bullying. I certainly want parents to encourage children to report bullying. Most schools have a well-established protocol to deal with bullying. I like to discourage parents from telling kids to just go right back at the bully. So, you know, the idea that, you know, one good punch to the nose is going to take care of the bullying problem doesn't work really well. And, and I, I want to discourage that solution for most parents who I talk to. So, Roger, with the bullying program that's being put into place in the schools, who's leading in that effort of coordinating? Is it the principals or the, the guidance counselors or the teachers themselves? Does a report of bullying go up to the principal? Or what, what level the school is that type of issue handled? So different schools have different bullying programs. Um, a good resource for parents and for schools is probably the stopbullying.gov website. It has lots of good resources for parents and for schools, and for students. The higher up in the school the bullying program is initiated, the more likely it is to have widespread effect in the school. But for a parent looking for an answer for where should my child go, think about starting with a teacher, then a school counselor, then an assistant principal, or the principal. But I want a child to know, tell an adult, if there's no action, tell that adult again. If there's no action, tell another adult. So if a child happens to be in a school where they minimize the impact of bullying, I want that child to know that if it takes you 150 times before an adult listens to you, then you tell an adult 150 times if that's what it's going to require. A little odd question, perhaps. Do you see siblings bullying each other, which would be really challenging for a parent to deal with where an older sibling bullies a younger sibling? Yes. And what is the advice there? Because you can't, you can't run away from that easily. It is hard to avoid a bully who lives in the same house that you live in. And for parents, not to turn a blind eye. If you have a, a child who is aggressive or emotionally abusive to a sibling, I want parents to have a very proactive and strong response that involves a mix of good pre-stated consequences and even incentives for being kind. Because if you have a child who's a bully, whether to a sibling or another child, the solution to the bullying problem for me is really a mix of having meaningful consequences for bullying, but also finding ways to cultivate, to shape, 
to reinforce and even to reward kindness or being considerate of others. And I want to both increase appropriate social behavior and then decrease the inappropriate bullying behaviors. Finally, we talked about outcomes of bullies and the people that are being bullied. Do we know much about how these children behave later on in Mm -hmm. adolescence and adulthood? Yes, we know that bullying comes with lots of negative outcomes. There are poor academic outcomes. Children who are bullied perform less well in school and on standardized exams. We know that they're more likely to be diagnosed with anxiety disorders and with depressive disorders. We know that they're more likely to have health problems. They're more likely to miss classes, avoid school. And this all relates to poor academic and then social and occupational functioning later on. So keep the communication open with your child. And if you see something that's a risk factor that you've described, you really have to do something about it because it could be long-term consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I encourage parents, not every problem can be solved between parent and child. If you're feeling stuck as a parent, reach out to someone, reach out to the counselor at school, reach out to a psychologist or a therapist in your community, go online, find good resources, um, because not every problem can be solved just between you and your child. And it is good to know, having kids in school, that the schools have taken a big turn on this for the better. They have programs, and um, I think they've really stepped up. Is that a partnership with child psychologists like you and the school systems? How involved are you with that? Fortunately, there's been a lot of university-led research programs into bullying and a lot of mostly university-examined bullying intervention programs. There was a phase where there were lots of programs that were just put out there, but they were not put under scrutiny. They weren't looking for outcomes, both for individual kids and for school bodies. But now we have a good sense of programs that work and programs that don't work. For example, we know that the zero tolerance policies do not work. They don't lower bullying. They don't teach kids assertiveness skills. They don't teach kids how to appropriately respond to bullying. We know that being excessively punitive does not work, although children who are bullying need consequences. They need consequences that teach, consequences that teach them pro-social behavior. We know that having groups for kids who bully backfire. When you want to intervene by putting all the kids who are bullying in a group to teach them not to bully, they reinforce each other and reinforce bullying behaviors in groups. And so bullying groups work for children who have been bullied but not for children who bully. Well, thank you, Roger. That's been really informative, and it's a topic that I think it's widespread across the country affecting a lot of kids, and we really appreciate you coming in to to inform us. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Roger. To our listeners, if you have a question about this topic, or if there's another topic you'd like us to explore in a future pediatric chat, you can send it to us by using the question portal on our webpage. And be sure to view our library for more pediatric chat programs. I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan, and thanks for listening.